Greetings, Grace Life. Let's give a hand for those first-time guests with us here today. For those who are visiting online and worshiping with us online, thank you for tuning in. My name is Brian Hark. I am the campus pastor for Garner's Ferry, and it's an honor and a privilege to be with you here today. So, you know, how many of you all was able to check out the Christmas service on, on Christmas? Yeah, I did. And I'm telling you, it was awesome. I was sitting, oh, I'm just going to tell myself a little bit, but I was nestled up on the couch. I had my reading glasses, my Bible. I had my, my blanket on me and, and I, I just couldn't wait for it to come on. I was like a little kid, you know, and I was so excited about that. And we had presents to open up. And, and so this great experience for me, just being able to enjoy and just to see my friends. And it was very well done. And I really was able to appreciate that. Speaking about being a kid and, and those, those memories about being able to open up presents and, and act like a kid again, there's an experience that, that, that always comes to mind for me when I'm, I'm in South Carolina. It's, it was many years ago when I was eight years old. Uh, we were at the beach at Myrtle Beach, that is. And then it was very hot like normal. And we decided that we needed to get out of the heat. So one of the ways to do that is find a, some air condition, right? So I remember our family took us in into a movie theater, paid for the movie, not really sure exactly what we were about to see, but I know that we, I remember walking in and, and we were the last people in line to get in there. And there were only like three or four seats left. They were right up in the front of the movie theater. And so I remember getting in my seat and kind of nestling in and then looking up at this massive screen that was like right in my face, way up there. And then all of a sudden, the lights went dark, and then, boom. Yes, Star Wars, A New Hope, that's right. You guessed it, right? So I don't know how you didn't guess it with the music, but I'm telling you, I was so pumped and so excited that I was able just to see that. And, I mean, as a little kid, can you imagine seeing something like that for the first time? It, 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 was, it was all of these ships, and, and they were battling against each other. There was this story about this evil empire, and then these, these uh, little rebels, and, and they were trying to do everything. And it all revolved around the hope of this one little droid to, to get from there to some planet somewhere else to reach some other guy who they had placed their hope in this guy. And, and, and eventually, that hope would lead to, the, to destroying the evil empire, and then the, the rebels seemed to win, right? That's a, that's a lot of hope in, in a movie like that. But as you could tell, it impacted me as a child. This word hope is, is, is a hope for the, the season that we're currently in. This, this, this hope and this peace and this love and this joy, we, we see it written everywhere and, and, and we talk about it and we sing it in our songs and all the Christmas songs we're, we're singing about hope. And, and it, it got me wondering a little bit more about what is this word hope. And first of all, I realized that the word hope itself and the way we use it in our English language is much different than the way it's used in the Bible. And, and so I, I started digging in and, and I, I found an English definition through Google. You know, that's your, it used to be Webster's, but now it's a Google. And so Google told me that, that hope is something that's cherished or wished for or something that is uncertain. Well, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good definition for hope and, in, in our life. And so we hope for things, uh, it, you know, to come. 
I remember years ago when I was working at Sears in, in a department store, I was in on Lawn Garden, and my, my manager, who was over Lawn Garden, he would always tell me, he would say, Brian, I'm playing the lottery this week. I'm playing the lottery, and I hope that I win, because if I win, then I'm never coming back to this place ever again. And, and I was just like behind him, you know, secretively saying, I hope he does win, because then I can have his job. <laughs> See, that, you know, that's different, different ways that we use the word hope. But if you're, if you're a pastor and you get to come up here and preach sometime, I, I got, I'm going to tell myself a, a good way to be able to figure things out. One is you go to your life group, right? I have a men's group, a military men's group, and, and they love Leviticus. And so I figured, why not ask them about hope, right? And so I get on my phone and I'm, I'm texting everybody I know and saying, what do you think of hope? What do you hope for? And, and, and what does hope mean to you in your life? I got a very different answers that came back to me. Some, some were pretty serious. Some were, you know, pretty broad. So someone said, you know, I, I have family who put all of their hope in the government or politicians. It just happened to be, you know, recently after the election that I started working on this. I'm like, yeah, okay. People put their hope in politicians and in their government. I understand that. One person come back and said, I have a friend of mine who, who put their hope in celebrities, and so, like, I learned this new word, it's called social mediaite, where it essentially just means that social influencers, right? Because our kids are on social media, and they know a lot about what's going on. So I'm sure if I ask them what's on TikTok, what's on, okay, Instagram or Facebook, so, so I really don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm guessing, right? So if I ask them what's on all those, those platforms, they could tell me who those influencers are in their life. And, and I probably should know what some of those are because that, that's what's given them hope, right? As, as a child going through school and those kind of things. But yet some of the men got really serious and they're saying, you know, Brian, I, I really hope that, that God would help strengthen my marriage this year. I, I really hope that, that, that God would help me in my finances. I, some, one person said, listen, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm hoping that I get promoted. I'm, you know, and, and so, so I'm thinking about all of these things about what it means to hope in our life. And then as I was reading the scripture, I ran across uh, the book of Romans. The apostle Paul was writing a letter from the city of Corinthians to these Christians in, in the city of Rome. He was writing this letter to them to talk to them about what, what hope means Right? And, and just like us, any, any person would, would use what they recognize uh, this particular passage. He uses Abraham. He could have used David or used any other character in the Old Testament that he, they would know. But he, and for this particular text, he, he uses Abraham and, and what Abraham said. And he says it this way in, in Romans 4.18. He says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, I, I got to unpack that just a little bit. Just so the, the history of, of that, what's, what's happening right there is the fact that, that God showed up to Abraham one time and he was kind of walking and working out in the fields. And, and, he, and he told Abraham that him and his wife, Sarah, would have a child. You see, they were at a very old age at this time. I believe it was about 86 years old. And he said, you're going to have a child. 
And, and then so Abraham, you know, believed God. He, he trusted God. And, but, but the rest of the world and even his cognitive being, the, what he remembers in his life is that people don't have children this late in age. That doesn't normally happen. You see, I mean, because he was thinking about reality. But, but what God was speaking was something a little bit different. So, so he's talking about against the hope of this world, right? Because the hope of this world is telling you can't do it. But when God gets involved, the hope is different. You see, hope now with God, he takes the impossible and now he's making it possible. What, what God was doing for Abraham was planting a seed in Abraham to let him know that, that what you can do on your own is only a wish, you can hope for something all you want, and it may come true and it may not, but that means it's uncertain. But what I give you, when I give you the hope of what I say is going to pass, whatever I promise is surely going to come to pass. You see, God can't go back on his word. What he promises to do, that he will surely do. We sing songs about God's promises all the time. And, and we have to believe it. And, and so here is Abraham, who's, who's now understanding against the, all the hope of what the world is trying to tell me. I, I know that I have the hope that God has given me. And so, so as many as the stars in the sky, so shall my offspring be. And it was Abraham's faith in God that was credited to him righteousness. That, that's what the writer was. So Paul was trying to, to tell this, this small group of Christians in, in the city of Rome, you need to have hope. Have, have the same hope of what, what God can insert in your life. Because what, if you're listening to anything else outside of you, it, it, it's going to bother you. But, it, but if you listen to what God is trying to say, it will surely come to pass. There's, there's a biblical definition, a definition that I found that I think really defines what hope means in the Bible. It's this, hope is certainty or a confident expectation of promised blessings of righteousness. You see, I'll stop the first part. I got to say it again. Hope is certainty. It's not uncertain. It is certain. The hope of God is certain or it's a confident expectation. So what God says he's going to do, you can expect that it's going to happen of our promised blessings of righteousness. One of my favorite things to do when I'm in South Carolina is to go to Myrtle Beach. And I love to bring our families with us. And, and we're, we always enjoy going down to the beach. And my favorite part is sitting there watching my four-year-old grandson, Teddy, play in the sand. He loves to build sandcastles for hours and hours. And so he'll build a sandcastle and then the waves will come up and he'll wash over it. And eventually it'll just be washed away. And then he'll just pick up his, his shovel and his bucket and he moves up five or six feet, builds another one and the waves come and crash it down. And he just keeps doing that again and again. He don't get dismayed. He, he just keeps moving on. I believe there are two camps of people in this world. I believe there is one camp of people who, who really build their hope, their trust, their foundation on the sand, the sand like, like my grandson. And yet they, they build it on a hope and a wish uh, because they put all of their trust in, in agencies, government agencies and politicians and, and these influencers and all these people that, that, that they trust in their life. But, but there is another camp of, of people who, who build their foundation, their hope, their life 
on a solid foundation, on the foundation of rock, on the foundation of Jesus, a foundation that, that, that never will, will subside. You, you see, and it may not be as glamorous as this other one that is built here. It, it may not look like this one. It, it is simple, but it is grounded and it is firm. The Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews, it says that we have this hope, that this, this hope as an anchor for our soul that is firm and secure. So how do we get this hope? Are, 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 are you ready to, to build a hope that's built on the foundation like this? But how is that possible? How do we get hope in our lives? I have three ways that, that, that came to me that I, I feel like that, that I should share with you. The first one is reading Bible stories, right? Um, I'm not so sure if, if any of you are, are like me, but I can sit down and, and I can read Bible stories all the time. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you another little story about myself. When I was a, a new Christian, I was working at NASA and um, our oldest son was one year old at the time. And uh, I had a friend of mine and, and he would always be reading the Bible. So I picked up the Bible one time and, and I said, hey, I'm going to read this thing. And there was a lot of these and thous and stuff. And I, I got to page three and I was done. I had no idea what I was reading. It, it, was, it was difficult. So I went home one night and, uh, and actually right before I, I went to work, um, I saw my, my son's Bible sitting on his nightstand. And we would read stories to him at night as we put him to bed. But, and I remember, you know, this is a, ch a child's Bible. This is a children's Bible. But... I really felt like I needed something. So I, I, I took it, had 66 chapters uh, and, you know, two, two or three pages. It came with pictures, you know, like this, you mean, you know, uh, it, and it, it, it was, it was perfect for me. And, and maybe as a young adult, just trying to learn the word of God, I read from cover to cover. The first Bible I ever read was a children's Bible and I'm not ashamed of it. Because, but I'm telling you, because the same stories that were in this Bible are the same stories that, that, that's in my, my big Bible that I carry around. And people laugh at me here because it's a big monstrous thing. But I'm just telling you, it's the same stories. It's the stories of hope that, that, that get into your bones and your soul. It's a story about a young dreamer named Joseph, where God came to him in a dream and told him that his brothers would bow down to him. And yet, and yet he was not before, he was thrown into a pit. He was sold as a slave. He was sent to Egypt, put in jail, eventually got out of jail and was given the keys of Egypt by Pharaoh himself. You see, what God promised that he would do, he would surely come to pass. That's what gives us hope in our life. And so I read that story, I have hope because I know what God can do. Or, or maybe about the story of a young lady named Hannah. And, and she had to go in every year and pray in the temple to have a, a child. And she never had a child. And, and, and so she kept praying and praying. Every year she would go and she would pray. She had to hear stories like uh, Penaniah was, had, had many children, but Hannah had none. And, and so she had to live with that until one day then God heard her voice and she cried out to God and said, if you give me a son, I will surely give him back to you. And, and so she was, she was with child. And when she went back home, um, you know, uh, her and her husband had a, had a son and, and they named him uh, Samuel. 
And, and so this, this particular passage goes, because Samuel is the same person who, who goes to this guy named Jesse and says, I need to talk to one of your sons. And there's an eight-year-old boy who, who was up there tending to his sheep and his cattle. And they called him down out of the hill country and, and brought him down. And they, they poured oil all over him. It was the same person who did that and anointed that young boy named David. And, and then there was a promise upon David that, that, that he would be king and he would, he would be the greatest king that, that ever lived on that land. Yeah, but it was not before that, that David had to run from his life in fear of his life from what, what King Saul had chased him all over, but eventually became king like was promised to him in the beginning. And then, and then he was uh, the, one of the greatest kings that, that we know. You may remember the story of Job. Many of you at least heard about Job. Poor Job. I mean, he was, uh, God says that there is none more righteous or upright than, than my servant Job. He, he would never curse me, yet Job lost all, all of his, his children. He lost all of his animals, all of his livestock, anything that he had. He had become very ill, but yet he never went back on God's word. He never cursed God. And then later in his life, as he stayed true to God as much as he could, that God blessed him. And, and he had all the, 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 the riches that he had ever had, he had received again. You see, what God promises that he would do, he would surely do, and he surely make it pass into us in our life. Another way that I think that, that we can instill hope in our life is, is having a great prayer life. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you like, like I haven't been already <laughs> all night, but I, I'm, I'm not the best prayer. I, I'm not. I, I know that. And I can sit and, and I can read scriptures and, and I can understand stories and, and I can get into words and, and study for hours and hours. But if I'm praying about 10 minutes, I'm, I'm already, my mind is going somewhere else. I can't just sit there and just pray and pray and pray. So I have to be intentional about prayer. If you're like me, I mean, I mean most of you are probably prayer warriors and, and out. I'll pray us all day long, but, but, but maybe you have to be like me. Maybe you have to be intentional about being in prayer. Because what does prayer do? Prayer involves God into your situation, with, with, which enables hope into your life. That's what prayer does. And, and so at being intentional to what I have to do on the back of my bedroom door, uh, Jennifer and I's uh, bedroom, that is our sanctuary. And on the back of our bedroom door, we put sticky notes. We have a sticky note system. And on our sticky notes, we have family and friends and church and, and, and different situations. And we write their names down there. And, and so what we do is we, we, every time we walk past the sticky note system, we'll lay our hand on a name. We'll pray over that sticky note. We will think about that name. When I go to bed, the last thing I see when I'm praying are those names on the door. When I wake up in the morning and I'm praying and thanking God for the breath that I have today, I see those names that are on the wall and I pray for them. That's why I have to be, uh, to be intentional. You know, I, and another way about, I, I have a great friend of mine who, who, who writes scriptures down for each of his children. And he prays those same scriptures over his children and his spouse every night. We have to be intentional about our prayer. Maybe you or, or, or we're some of the ones who've been asking God to, to, to strengthen our marriage. Well, I'm going to ask you one easy way to do it is pick a scripture out there about marriage. You, you could, Matthew 19, it says, what God puts together, no man can tear us apart. You could pray that scripture over your marriage. 
If you're struggling with your finances, you could find a scripture about finances and start praying that and ask God, how can you, how can you give more, right? And challenge God. You know, there are many things that we can do. I don't know where you are in your life and your walk with God at this point, but I'm just telling you, as, you, as long as you pray, you involve God into your situation. And anytime you do that, it brings hope into your life. I'll tell you a, a third one. The, th- the third and, and final um, thing that I think that we can do on a daily basis to increase the hope in our life is be part of a life group. You know, because we, we are not called to do life on our own. And no man, no woman is an island. We, we're not out there alone. Uh, God doesn't want us to be alone. He wants us to be together. And, and so if you are part of something more, right, being a part of a group, I'm just telling you how it can change your life. I'll just give you some examples. Well, one, uh, you know, I'm a part of, as you know, at least one military men's group. I'm a part of two others, and, and I'm getting ready to start another one. So I've got like four life groups going with all these people. They think that I'm coming to help them. But honestly, what's happening is I'm getting blessed by hearing their stories. They're hearing their stories of, of where they've been and how they, they've come out of that. Because, you know, maybe I've had the same struggle in my life, and I don't know how to, how to fix this. But as I listen to them and see how they get out of this and see what God has done for them, you know, that I'm like, this is the same God that I have. I want that in my life too. And, and so as they do life together in these life groups, I start to learn a little bit more and more and more about them, but also about me. I learn what, who God is in my life and, and, and what he, he does for me each and every day. Life groups can 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 be a life changer for some people. What I mean by that is in one particular situation uh, in, in our, our one group that we meet on Wednesday nights, <clears throat> I've, I've seen a, a marriage that was completely falling apart. And, and, and I saw grown men get, get around this person and pray for them. I seen them text them in the column and, and, and I, I see them, you know, um, talk to them. And, and, and get them in, involved in, uh, in what we're doing. I've I seen this marriage that, that was completely healed because of something was happening, because of, of men, grown men who didn't care. He was going to that person because there was a need. And you know what, you know what ammunition they had? They, did, they didn't have a theological degree. They, they didn't have 22 years as a military chaplain behind them to help them do that. Only thing they had, they had a will and a desire to see somebody was hurting to help save their life. Speaking of saving her life, there was a young man at one point decided that he didn't feel like he wanted to exist any longer on this world because something so bad had happened to him that he felt like there's no way I can continue to exist. But yet I saw, I saw 20 men come around him and pray for him and bring him to my house, prayed for him again and again and called him up and said, hey, Life is worth too much. You are worth too much in our life to have the hope of heaven inside of you. And, and we, we want you to live. And, and then that young man is alive and with us still today because of those grown men who didn't care what the world was saying against the hope of this world would say, you know what? Everybody goes through that. You know what? And it just happens. They didn't care against all hope. They went to this person and they said, we will stand with you through whatever you're going through. I'm going to see you get through that. 
That's what real hope is. That, that, that's what gives you the hope inside of you that, that tells you that you can get up every morning and, and thank the Lord that he has blessed you. You can thank him for your family. You can thank him for all that, that he has done. And even the things that, that you don't even know yet, the blessings that, that are to come into your life. That's what it means to have hope, real hope. We're getting ready. I mean, it's a, it's a new year. It's 2023. What are you hoping for in this year? Do you have the hope that, that, is, that is firm on a foundation that can waver the things of this world that comes against you? Do you need hope? Have, have you not had that, that hope in, in your life? And, and, now, and now you have an opportunity to grasp a hold of it to read through some Bible stories to, so that you can get part of that into your soul, to, to start a prayer life, well, one that you've never really have ever done before, but, but you're going to be intentional about that. Or you can be a part of a group because you know that life is better by doing it with other people. That is true hope. That will instill hope in your life that lasts for eternity. May I pray with this? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for being such a good, good God that you give us this, this hope as an anchor for our soul that even when the challenges in our life come against us, that we know that we can still hold on to you. We know that it is you that, that gives us the strength to move on each and every day. We hope for a future that is to come because you give us the hope. And we hold on to that each and every day as we move forward. And we give you the thanks, Lord, for, for who you are in our life and, and what you're doing for our families so we, and what you're doing for this church and, and for Columbia and, and for the world. Lord, the world is hurting. There, there, is, there, is, there is evil in this world. But we know that, that you are good. And Father God, we hold on to that good, to that hope, and trust, Father God, that, that you would keep us secure in, in your arms. Lord, we thank you for, for your word that holds true each and every day, that never returns void, that we can hold on to that and be changed for our life. Now I'd like to talk to some of those who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here with us. Maybe you're online. Maybe you, you've never accepted Jesus into your life. But I want to talk to you specifically right now and, and let you know that without hope, you, you will be just like that castle that was built on the sand and the waves come crashing and you could be gone in an instant. But if you have the hope of salvation and you have the hope of Jesus in your life, you can be secure in your life from, from now until eternity on. And so if, if you're one of those people, I would ask you just to pray with me. Say, but Father God, I am a sinner and I have been saved by grace. 
And I, I repent for all of my wicked ways and all my doings and all of my life in the past. I place that all in the past and, and I trust that your son Jesus who died on the cross, he died for me from the sins of the past and the sins of the future from now to eternity that I've been changed. I am not the same person today as I was yesterday and I will continue to change to be more like you each and every day as I serve you and I honor you for being the king over my life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm excited that you are part of, of a family, a part of a family that, that, that God will continue to be there. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. He's always there as your God. Amen. All right, let's give a hand for those who just prayed that prayer today.